Welcome to Audacity Works, a podcast inspired by and dedicated to the working artist, the creative entrepreneur, and generally doing the damn thing. This exists on the premise that the world belongs to those who have the audacity to believe that their lives have value. This is for you. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode two of Audacity Works. I am your host, Rachel Strickland, and the subject of today's episode is using the good china. So backing it on up, uh, my family, in my family, we have kind of a tradition of um, some of us running away to San Francisco to become ourselves. Uh, It's not an old tradition. I believe it started with my aunts and uncles, three of them to be exact. Uh, And thus, somewhere along the line, um, a tea set was purchased for my great-grandmother from Chinatown in San Francisco. No idea when this was, but I believe it was my aunt, Jeanette, who purchased this for my great-grandmother. And then after her death, it was handed down and down and uh, came into the possession of my uncle Bradley. Now, we are very close. Uh, he actually married Manflesh and myself in 2016 uh, and sheltered us for several months when we moved back to San Francisco uh, a few years before that. But I digress. Oh, I've always been interested in family items and family stories. So I was over at Brad's one day and he showed me this tea set. He was like, This was your great-grandmother's, and I think that you should have it. And I was like, oh, you know how, you know how you are when someone gives you like a family heirloom, and you're like, ooh, this is, mm, thank you so much. And I was very reverent about it and handled it very carefully, and he saw me handling it very carefully. And he said, look here, bitch, Uh, we really do talk to each other like that, it's fine, it's all, it's in love. Like, look here, bitch, there is a, a condition by the time I die, I want all of these cups to be broken. What? I was like, oh my God, this got so real and so heavy so quickly. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he said, I am dead serious. By the time I die, all of these cups need to be broken. And I mean all. Do not put this on a shelf. Do not let this collect dust. This needs to be used. This, the things should be used. They should not be saved. And I have to admit that I have not broken any of those cups yet. And he gave this to me probably seven years ago. And it's not for lack of trying. Like, I use them. I use them. I really, really do. And I'm not super careful with them. I, I let them be part of daily life. You know, or as often as I drink tea. Because things should be used. I agree. And that's kind of become a mantra of mine. Like, don't save the good china. Use the good china. Uh, Does anyone have china anymore? Um, I know that it's like a thing. And it's kind of antiquated thing to uh, register for china when you get married. I totally did it. I don't know what happened to me. But I just got super into looking at China patterns. I was like, who am I? I I do not recognize this person, but I do know that I'm doing another Google search for China patterns. Um, I don't know why, but it was really, really fun for me. Um, I think that uh, it was just kind of in my mitochondrial DNA. Because 
like sets of china are a thing in my family. I was like, I'm going to have my own set of china. And now I do. Uh, it's in it's in the hutch right now, but it's not in the hutch collecting dirt and dust and spiders. We use it and we use it often. Um, and we have a tradition in my house that anytime something gets broken, we celebrate it. We hear the smashing of glass from the next room, <laughs> and you hear someone two rooms away say, Opa, congratulations, you were actually using the items that were designed to support your life and to make it better. Good for you. The reason that I think this is pertinent is because in in life, in art making and in business, I mean, is there a difference really? We do... I observe a tendency in myself and others to want to save the good China. Even this idea, I swear to God, this idea for the podcast, like, oh my God, I could talk about the China. Oh my God, not saving the good China. Okay, but don't. Don't do it yet because I really like this idea and it's a good idea. So you should wait. You should wait and do it later because this is only episode two. Like, what even is that? That's not, that's not... (laughs) That's not even a thought. That doesn't even get to be on the thought page. So, no. But still, it did occur to me. It's just like an instinct, wanting to hoard. Wanting to hoard what is best of you. Wanting to hoard all of your, like, precious, best, and most shiny thoughts. And doing this is an act of self-will. And, in my opinion, it is. it goes against the point of the muse being in your life in the first place. Okay, so what do I mean by the muse? The muse is, you you can use it in the traditional sense, the thing that inspires you. I think of the muse as a benevolent uh, part of your psychology, the one that compels you to create, the one that compels you to make things, and the one that compels you to design a life that you don't have to run away from in a life that you won't regret. That's my idea of the muse. And I believe that there is an alternative force that gets a lot more airtime. And that is what we call gremlins in the Audacity Project language speak. That term was first coined for me from my own mentor, the great and fabulous Chantal McCormick of Fidget Feet Aerial Dance in Ireland. Uh, and she just like thought of it she was like, this is a good way to personify this thing that I see holding everyone back so terribly. So she started using it. We all use it now. Oh my God, it's spread. It's worldwide. Uh, gremlins are the forces that keep you small and inside of yourself and afraid and safe, super, super safe to be all of those things. So basically any kind of uh, thought or psychological process or invisible script in your mind that keeps you where you are and doesn't let you grow or change and tells you that everybody's going to laugh at you, you know, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, all of that good stuff, good stuff. It's awful. Anyway, those things are very normal, they're very natural, they're part of human psychology, uh, and they get so much airtime and they get so much focus because we do, we need to know what they are. Why? Because we need to be able to know the landscape that we're operating in. If you don't know 
what your hangups are, your mental, your emotional hangups, they're just going to keep tripping you up time after time until you can identify them, call them by name, look them in the face. So that's why like in in my own coaching and in the Audacity Project, I encourage people say the gremlins by name, like what are these things holding you back? Where do they come from? Follow the rabbit hole, find their origin story. But then the next question I ask is for them to find an antidote to the gremlin. Uh, And that just means gently redirecting your focus from this thing that is holding you down and holding you back. Redirect that focus to the muse, the thing that compels you in the first place to want to create something, to want to be the better part of yourself. A gentle redirection of focus uh, is a wonderful medicine, and it's just a change in perspective. Like on the outside, nothing changes, and yet everything is different. So back to uh, hoarding the best of yourself and saving the good china. Uh, So it is an experience that I've had many times and certainly observed in others that we get these ideas. It can be anything, an idea for a book we want to write, a post we want to make, a photo we want to take, a show we'd like to direct. And we're like, oh my God, this idea is so beautiful. It's so tasty. It is the pomegranate in Persephone's hand. It is seven jewels on a table. It is so tasty. I love it. And I am going to hide it and keep it all to myself. Because if I act on it, lots of things could happen that are outside of my control. Um, One, I could end up not doing it justice. I could fail my idea. I could fail to do it justice. And then I would feel sad. Uh, Or I could do it justice to myself, but no one else might like it, and I might fail in that way, and then I would be sad. Or just like it ends up not being as good as I thought it was going to be. So for all of these reasons, you know, physical and emotional discomfort, we tend to want to avoid that pretty hard. That's uh, nervous system 101. So instead, (laughs) we just... Like, instead of doing anything about it, I think I'll just sit on it like um, some kind of smog in the mountainside sitting on a glittering egg. And I'll just sit on it forever and no one else will ever know that it's there, but I'll know that it could have existed even though it won't because I'm sitting on it. And there's something very self-indulgent and gross and golemy and also really fun about that kind of self-indulgent refusal to obey the muse and the compulsion of your own desire. There's something in that that's just fun to to rebel. It's gross. <laughs> like it doesn't make you happy, but it is your prerogative. And I think anytime we exercise our self-will, it feels pleasurable regardless of whether or not it's quote-unquote healthy for us or quote-unquote again in our best interest because what does that even mean if you're not ready to get up off the glittering egg break it open and see what you're really made of see if you can create this thing in the image that you hold in your mind you know if you're not ready you're not ready so you can sit on the egg but also (laughs) eventually you end up 
with this mountainside full of glittery eggs and nothing else. And around that time, I hope that one could look around and be like, you know what? All right, it's time to start doing things and making mistakes and fucking it all up. Just taking a chance on the possibility that I might be worth a damn and my efforts might come to something. Because I tell you now, when you dedicate a great deal of time, focus, energy, love, effort, strategy, when you focus all of those things over a period of time, it is extremely unlikely that nothing comes of it. Extremely unlikely. Like mathematically, it just, it's very unlikely that all of that effort, all of that time, all of that strategy, all of that love comes to no change in your life. I don't think so. And maybe that's why we prefer to sit on the glittery eggs. It's just another way to let the gremlins have dominion over us. Like, but if I sit on the glittery eggs, nothing changes. And then if nothing changes, then I don't have to change and I don't have to feel unsafe and I don't have to grow and I don't have to be challenged and it feels icky and I'm sad. You feel me on that? So yes, of course it is your prerogative whether or not you want to make uh, anything from the eggs or if you just want to sit on them. And I hope that I haven't lost you in this metaphor. Uh, But as much icky, perverse fun as it can be to simply hoard all of your ideas and know in your mind's eye, well, it may appear from the outside that I'm a loser who never does anything. I know that I have these wonderfully splendid ideas. So haha, fooled you. Okay. Um, On the other hand, you could just actually like do the things that you want to do. And then you wouldn't have to have this like defensive line of thinking in your mind. So what I would most like for you to take away from this today is to like identify like what are the things that you are hoarding in your treasure trove and to go ahead and spend them, you know, like stop hoarding yourself, stop saving yourself, spend it, go ahead and spend it. Let's see what happens. Um, If you're afraid of messing it up or not doing it justice, guess what? You can do it over again. Um, As uh, one of my favorites ever, uh, the movement maestro says, saying something once is like saying it never. And my God, did that end up being so freaking true. So just because you say it one time and maybe you say it poorly, guess what? You can say it as many times as you want because nobody's paying that much attention. So, you know, get up off the nest Pick an egg, break it open, see what happens. See how, see if it's not more fun to actually do something instead of just knowing that you could have. And on that note, my friends, that's all from me today. I wish you luck in your journey. May the luck dragon sing a song of sixpence above you. And oh my, my metaphors really tend to get away from me sometimes. But honestly, I do. I wish you boldness. I wish you courage. Um, And I wish you joy. Go have fun making a great big mess of your dearest and best china. Um, Break every cup before you die. All right, friends, don't go back to sleep. 